Welcome to Fintech Uncut. The quiz show with candid commentary on the biggest fintech and financial services news of the week that was. Disclaimer, this show is created purely for entertainment purposes and contains segments of sarcasm, satire, parody, and humor. Even if you don't think any of it is funny, the creators do not accept any responsibility or liability for the accuracy of any content shared and reminded you to always fact check everything yourself. And now, it's over to your quiz master. Hello everyone, welcome to Fintech Uncut, the quiz show with candid commentary on the week's biggest fintech and financial services stories with the wise guy, the other guy, and exceptionally, McJudge or Judge Wazim. Wazim Mushtaq is the former transformation lead financial markets at Standard Chartered Bank. So for the first time, we have a banker in the room. How will this affect the voting? You'll find out in this episode. My name is Rick Kukulbergs, the host of the day. We have Judge Wazim, Chris, the wise guy Skinner, and Andrew, the other guy Forcer. Let's start with the very first question. Stripe tends to do things differently from others. From the very beginning of his existence, what's their latest surprise? I'm getting off to an early start on this one because I know this one. I'm sure I know this one. So Stripe made a big splash when they first launched by saying integrate with just seven lines of code. So as a result of that, they've chosen the White Stripes as their brand ambassador because the White Stripes have just been nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for 2023. And, you know, Seven Nation Army and all that. Da, 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 da. Da, da. Don't, don't go there, Andrew. Don't go there. It's a bit like a buzzer. The buzzer we don't hear in Chris Skinner's case. Yeah, so oh. that's a close, but not really, Andrew. So that's a no at the moment. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was thinking, because I've followed Stripe for so many years, and I think they're a fantastic fintech unicorn. Uh, but a little known fact is that when they first got together, the Collison brothers were thinking of calling the company Skid, but then nobody wanted a Skid mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, five points oh. for this one there, Chris. <laughs> I, I, I think that the big news was uh, there's a news story this week that Elon Musk has finally assembled a team, a small team, to build their payments infrastructure for Twitter. And, and I think the reality is that behind the scenes, they're just going to integrate Stripe and do it like that because, you know, Twitter needs to save some money at the moment. I mean, they've just been uh, sued by a whole lot of companies for not paying rent, including apparently the Crown Real Estate is suing them. Being sued by the King of England? That's um, So, yeah, I think they need to save some cash and just throw in those seven lines of code and, and get Stripe going as their payments infrastructure. And so, you know, Musk thought seven lines of code means a team of seven people will do Probably. if i was stripe i would just ignore um elon musk and twitter even though we have to mention them every few episode um you know i'd focus on the gaming industry so maybe it's something like they're launching a payments api for kids in minecraft because my children are constantly asking me to buy steve alex huggy wuggy kissy missy and if you've no idea what i'm talking about you don't have kids of the right age I'm just about to find out, actually, my, my son's four, my daughter's seven, and they're starting to talk about Minecraft moving on from Pokemon Go. 
and things of that nature. So I'm guessing I'm going to find out soon. Oh, and Rick's getting into that in a couple of years' time as well. His kids are yeah. still small, but you've got all that in front of you. And right, guys, mind, yeah. The, so the gaming, at the moment, the at, the moment you, at the moment, you're all wrong. Um, so does anyone actually know the answer to this one? Well, I think in reality, Amazon's probably going to buy Stripe. They Amazon and Stripe announced uh, last week or so that they were doubling down on their payments partnership. Um, and it would probably be a good idea for Amazon to buy Stripe because Stripe's struggling a bit at the moment. They had set themselves an IPO target. Um, and it's the market's not quite right for an IPO at the moment. but. Uh, it's come to light that they've got a big tax bill to pay. And um, the surprising thing they're doing different is they're trying to raise funding on a 30% down round just to pay their tax bill. Not sure that's going to work out for them. I think a private acquisition is going to be better. Is that uh, closer to the real story? That is bang on, Andrew, and correct. Um, and you're and interesting about the, the Amazon piece as well. You're right. I think I read something as well. They will become the partner for the US, Europe, and Canada. Um, so that will be interesting. Also, I've not seen before um, raises to pay a tax bill before on a 30% down round. I think some investors, especially, I don't know, in, in VCs, but in the banking industry for looking high net worth are raising some eyebrows, but I think they probably still want to stay involved in this. Um, but yeah, interesting, but also correct. So, Andrew, I give that to you. So, a quick breakdown on that round. Chris, you got five because you were funny and I learned something, okay? Um, Andrew, you were also, I learned something and you were, it was interesting and it was correct. So you got eight on that one at the moment. So eight, five. Rick, sorry, we didn't hear too much from you. Um, so I'm going to give you zero for now. But hopefully you could... Uh, well, let me tell you something new. I don't need a vote. I'm yeah. the host of the show. No, yeah. I still want to score. Yeah, you know, you know he does. I'm, I'm scoring everyone. I have two young kids, and I score everyone in the room. So, just all right, can... fair enough. That's gonna be fun. Next question, my friends. People in the scene, neobank, fintech scene, know that Monzo and Starling have quite a bit in common. What's the holy grail that Starling found and Monzo claims to be close to finding? <laughs> I reckon this has to be the, you know, you can't say Holy Grail without thinking of Monty Python if you're my age. So <laughs> in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and you think about Monty Python, they have the Lumberjack song. And so I think they've actually created a song about banking in the style of Monty Python, like, I'm a fintech banker and I'm okay. We're open all night and open all day. Something like that. <laughs> Sounds like a short video to me. <laughs> Didn't I think that's probably... A different show altogether, Chris, but <laughs> close but not close enough. But you've got points for being funny. I should have added an extra point for singing, but uh, maybe next time. <laughs> I was going to say, Chris, didn't you do a whole series of short musical clips at one stage? I sort of, I'm, I'm remembering yeah. that. I've still got FinTech karaoke on my blog, which uh, for about two months I was creating songs based on yeah. stupid lyrics about banking FinTech. Yeah. Maybe I should do, do a new one. Yeah, okay. with ChatGPT, it came a lot easier now. I think we're going to have to put um, the link to FinTech Karaoke just as a blast from the past. Uh, put that in the um, 
in the show notes. I've just back to the question now because so back to the question. Minus. I think okay. is, I is there think, a question? Well, the Holy Grail that Starling found that Monzo has actually now achieved is getting a mention on fintech uncut i mean we've we've spoken about starling a lot of times before um but never about monzo so so actually monzo's achieved that holy grail they've got a mention by us f you monzo talking about monzo and and starling and again i'm very familiar with what happened and the background i reckon that it's tom blomfield has found a great place to buy chicken takeaway and if you don't know the story of what happened with Anne and Tom, <laughs> Google it. Oh, that's good. Or pizzas, maybe, right? Or some, uh, what was that? And he's actually pretty bank-related. It's not the first bank we were mentioning uh, where the branch is being replaced by a fast food chain. That was a Pizza Hut, um, a branch from NetWest, if, I'm, if I well, remember actually well. Actually, talking about uh, um, Tom Blomfield and Starling, which, of course, Tom started at Starling, he started working with Anne. Um, I think that the Holy Grail is an exec team that actually sticks around. Because if you look at the amount of churn at Monzo, at their exec team level, um, not that Starling's that much better, but at least they've got a little bit more stability. So perhaps that's the Holy Grail of, of uh, success. No, I think it's far more related to profit and the fact that Starling's been doing pretty well um, you know, out of the gate, becoming a stable challenger bank to the big banks that's profitable. And Monzo is just about getting there now. I, I don't know the numbers, but I was reading the other day that you know, they're turning it around, they're getting into profitability, they're becoming a proper bank. All right, Chris, that is correct. So recent news, um, I think um, um, the CEO of TS Arnold was talking about a profitability. And, and getting to the, you know uh, a positive um, kind of profit and ROI um, this year, and they are predicted to do that. It's interesting actually as, as being a banker and looking at it. Um, I felt that Starling did a really smart play in terms of SME banking and being able to leverage uh, bounce back loans and and Siebel's were able to they were able to build up their book with not a lot of risk, um, and there was some profit in that. Whilst Monzo lost the trick on that one, I think, but now. Even a Monzo, I was looking at their business bank accounts, which they are actually doing a lot of um, advertisements on it. I think they're going to double down on that. But also, Monzo's got a lot more customers in terms of yeah. in terms of the actual ecosystem. So yeah, I, I think they are going to be in a good place uh, going yeah. forward. And yeah, I, I think that's correct. I think an interesting stat, um, just about neobanks. I mean, uh, there's an interesting stat saying less than 5% of neobanks globally have actually managed to achieve uh, profitability. Um, but the interesting thing for me isn't that. The interesting thing is Zopa, who I haven't heard about for, for years. Um, Zopa actually achieved profitability just 21 months after getting their UK banking license. Zopa absolutely nailed it. They're sort of like the silent rise from underneath and, and you know, uh, Monzo, Starling get all the glory all the time and Revolut. Um, and yet Zopa just quietly slips in there and they're doing another raise at the moment as well. Revolut, so, Revolut isn't think, getting that much good. glory. Well, I said news and PR, not that much glory. You're 100% right there. There's two things in there, which is Starling and Zopa are both 
clearly getting loans to deposits ratios and the yeah. loan ratio has to be in there. If you don't have loans and you're not profitable because all you have is deposits with interest. And that's where Monza and Revolut have begun with challenges. And that balance is changing now. Um, but it's interesting, I've been interested in your view because you mentioned Starling with the bounce back loans, which were the pandemic loans backed by government, which had no risk for the bank. And you know, Anne Bowden, the bank, has been taken to Treasury um, to be challenged about that. So there is kind of a bit of a stain there, or do you feel that that's irrelevant? No, it, it is relevant. It's, it's funny because um, whilst I am a banker, um, at that state time, I was at FinTech. I was like an interim CEO, uh, SME lender, and we were doing enterprise finance guarantee loans. And two weeks before, we changed it to a Siebel's lending. Now, the interesting thing is for Siebel's, you had to do a full credit underwrite. For bounce back loan, it was honestly, it was a bit of a joke. It was like a tick box. Yes, I do have this much revenue. I do have this much turnover, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't an underwrite. And it's 100%. So, um, you know, um, uh, secured by the big banks. There there was, a, uh, I think, in the market in general, um, Anne raised some eyebrows when she was saying, like, you know, I think it was like 30%, I think, are potentially at risk of default. I think, I can't remember what it was. Um, but I think a lot of banks struggled with that one in terms of volumes. When I created the company, um, uh, uh, the other company, we were planning to have like 30, 40 applications a week. We had more than 1,000 or 2,000 in the first week. We got smashed. Wow. You know, we just banks weren't uh, capable. And it was impossible to gear up teams in that environment as well. So I think she's probably going to, I think across the bank, everyone had that issue, but she there was a bit more vocal in it. Um, not be uh, whilst others were behind the scenes um but i think overall i think that that was a lesson for everyone in general in, in the banking industry that you need to do underwriting and look at it now in terms of buying a, a pay later and the headache there and now trying to understand how to merge that with, with credit bureaus to get a, a credit assessment done um we should learn from our mistakes and everything should have some type of assessment i was speaking to some people in a, a few weeks ago in uh in another event and we were it was people from calling from the lending standard standard board and they're going to be re releasing some articles about just more responsibility in the industry before allowing people to get into debt I, I know i'm in terms of age i'm probably a little bit younger but in the 70s we had the whole thing in terms of the credit card it just happened all again it was just buy now pay later now so yeah um i don't know if that answers your question but in terms of bank in general i think starling still is um a, a positive uh, news and I think you mentioned Andrew about uh, Revolut. I think that's one of the companies that are are not actually firing, but they're hiring. I read an article. I think there's sixteen hundred new um, roles being available at the moment. So yeah, I think it's an interesting place to be in neobanks as they move into their next stage of evolution, growing up and becoming at least you know, some of them young adults and not teenagers. But yeah, we'll see. So what's the scores on the doors? Right, on that round, I'll give you, a, for question two, Andrew, you had a two plus three, so I learned something and you're a funny five. Chris smashed it. You got two for I learned something, three for being funny, five for being correct, and two again for learning something. You got 12. At the moment, Andrew, you've got 13. Chris, you've got 17. Rick, Sorry, you're on zero again. Apologies. <laughs> uh, can, can you can you have to up your game a bit? Now, remember, if you're hilarious, you get 10 points, right? So really, maybe think about that. 
It's, um, it's probably and, best to keep the suspense and not give us interim scores until right at the end. Just for right. suspense so that we, yeah. Talking about suspense, we're going to go to the controversial round now. Next question. Iran is not the most common country in the news of fintech, and that changed this week. What did they announce? Oh, sorry, I buzzed before you finished, but I, when you said what, what changed this week, is it that they're launching a digital bank in Israel? Not so sure about I'm, that one. I'm not sure what. Five points for Chris. You know. I don't know if that's naughty or funny. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm confused now, Chris. I don't know. I think it's both. All right, okay. Obscure. And I think um, the thing is that the rest of the world has anti-money laundering regulation, whereas Iran has money laundering regulation. You have to launder money. That's the whole point of being in banking and fintech there. So they launched the first money laundering fintech accelerator to be able to attract talent to help them launder money because they need money and they just they can't get money at the moment and inflation's going crazy and things like that, you know, sanctions and everything. So it's got to be a, a money laundering accelerator that they've announced. Yeah, I think you just got more controversial than the actual answer. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was in Iran a couple of times 10 years ago, and um, I told the government that they should invest everything in Bitcoin. So I'm fairly sure that having done that, they've now become a very rich country. They don't need money, Andrew. They've got all their money in crypto. No, 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 no. You guys, are, uh, you guys aren't even close, I'll be honest with you. Um, and, you've both, and you've both been naughty. That's one to be clear. Okay, uh, it's, it's down to... I think that that they saw the popularity of the gold dispensing ATM that was rolled out in India. Uh, there was a news story in that about a couple of weeks ago, um, whereby they've got these gold dispensing ATMs. You can walk up to them. You can pay with actual Bitcoin or... It's with, actually not a new thing. I yeah, heard about it years ago. Exactly. But I, I, the big thing was that they've rolled out a whole lot of these. These were the first ones rolled out in India. And I think Iran's looked at India and gone, hey, that's a good idea with our monetary value depressing and all the rest. And also it makes sense because um, there's another news article that says central banks bought the most gold last year since 1967. So obviously there is a push towards gold-backed currencies, not these Bitcoins and Yoshi coins and Yogi Bear and Skinner coins and all of those. People actually want gold-backed currency now. So I think that they're rolling out ATMs back with gold makes sense to me. So you've said something there that's quite interesting. So you've got some points, but also you're kind of getting towards a right answer on that one. Um, but I think keep Still going pretty far off, Chris. Or Chris. Well, you mentioned gold, so there's something going on there, um, Chris. Well, I blogged about this a while ago, and so I reckon the real answer is that there's a new agenda around the world um, in that. SWIFT, for example, is very much European and American. China has its alternatives, as does India. Um, and Russia has created some partnerships to try and create uh, cross-border money um, transmissions outside the SWIFT network because they've been sanctioned and they're off the network. So maybe Iran, because they're also off the network, you know, these countries are starting to work together to create new payments 
transmissions networks that are outside SWIFT. Yes, correct, 100%. So this is actually really interesting. My take on this very quickly, um, you know, I've worked in, in global banks a lot, and obviously, you know, the anti the AML as well in terms of like the sanctions. Um, if you think about where we are in terms of our networks and payments, you know, will we need a SWIFT in its, in its current form in the future? Are we moving to somewhere else in terms of all the payment rails embedded for finance and things of that nature? Um, and, you know, in the day, the economy still need to do business. Iran, uh, Russia makes sense. I think I think they have a, uh, they, they have a border as well. Uh, and they're both two very fuel rich countries and resources. I wouldn't be surprised if Kazakhstan gets in there. I heard about India wants to buy, uh, start paying, you know, from their Indian rupee, um, you know, in terms of buying Russian resources for oil and gas. If India goes, Pakistan might, and you know, and Russia and and, and China, that whole part of the world, there's a lot of east and white, west kind of divide going on there. And and look, look at all of the innovation happening in MENA and APAC at the moment. Um, we have quite a few of these side routes already. It's not it's not new as such. China has with their partners. Uh, Russia starts building it now with their partners, and the West is having Swift. And what's also interesting, there's been a long discussion about an Asian currency union to create something like a euro, the same in MENA, the, um, the African currency union. So we are going to see much more regional partnerships. Yeah, 100%. I could definitely see it going that way. And I think it makes sense also because there'll be more stability, honestly, in, in those regions. And that will only benefit economies but, and the banking industry, hopefully. But unions when I could just as easily use Monero or um, Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other you know decentralized currencies and in fact that's a big theme of mine at the moment just decentralized versus centralized and you know which route will win yeah time will tell Rick anything to add to that point I really want to give you some points but points for the question overall Chris you were uh, no, Andrew, you were a naughty, and you and I learned something. So minus a, a three, Chris, <laughs> you were funny, you were naughty, and you were correct. So three, <laughs> Rick, Rick, you were funny, I think. But Five. I gave you three. I gave you three anyway. Thank so, you. Um, next question, my friends. Current economic situation isn't the best place to be in for tech companies. We heard many times in this show and elsewhere that could be an opportunity for banks to get hold of some of the solutions or talent that's coming available. But not sure if anyone expected what happened in the UK this week. Can you guess what it was? I know this one. So we're talking about talent, right? The MasterCard product lead for their NFT product is is now available. He quit and he minted his resignation letter as an NFT on MasterCard's product and sent it to his um, uh, to his uh, superiors, to his manager. True story. And it's being promoted by Boris Johnson at crypto conferences. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Available on thought... OpenSea now as a, as a, a NFT. Andrew, is that true? It's a true story. It's going to be a show We're talking true stories. I heard an interesting thing about the Conservatives because um, you know, 
the news might be that the Conservatives have been replaced by the monster raving loony party, which you may think is ridiculous. And the UK does have a monster raving loony party. You wouldn't but tell if you look the, at the monster raving loony party's you know, agenda for election. And I think it's about 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, most of what they were campaigning for has actually been implemented. So maybe they're not loonies after all. What's the name of that party? Monster Raving, Monster Raving Looney Party. Interesting. I'd, I'd vote for them because I think they're far more sensible than the, the Conservatives. Yeah. Did they vote for I, Brexit? I, I didn't vote for Brexit. I, no, no, absolutely. The, that party. Oh, oh, the Monster Raving Looney Party. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at their agenda. But uh, I, I was talking to someone in the Conservative Party this week and they were telling me that you know, the agenda they had 30, 40 years ago has all been pretty much marked and implemented. Um, just no one's gone back and checked. So I actually think maybe it's that the UK now has a new prime minister called John Cleese. <laughs> I'd vote for him, actually. He'd definitely make a better better prime minister than the ones that we've had recently. I'm, I'm, Chris, I'm going to have to check their, uh, their manifesto. And just to double check on that point, uh, monster uh, party, Mo monster party. Monster well, party. I, I think the crazy thing is that the chancellor Jeremy Hunt um, had you be careful how you say that. Yeah, I did. I was very careful yeah. to it's enunciate Hunt. my words there, so I didn't get a naughty deduction. Yeah. Um, he he said he wants to turn the UK into the world's next Silicon Valley, and he he actually specifically calls out. Monzo and Revolut as shining examples. Um, but they've just put the interest rate up another 0.5%. And according to the IMF, the UK is going to be the only major economy in the world that is expected to shrink in 2023. So how the heck do those even line up with each other? You know, he says one thing, but the government does something else. I mean, that, what, what well, I'm a mathematician. I would say we're living in a world where one plus one does not equal two these days, for sure. Yeah, Especially not if five. you're doing the voting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you my spreadsheet after. Uh, Full <laughs> transparency there from Wasim. Shall we get back to the essence of the question? Kind of, not really. I'm sure you guys... No, no, that was my question for the guys. Shall we get back to the essence of the question? So the it is actually aligned with my uh, Silicon Valley um, statement by the Chancellor Hunt, um, because he's saying world's next Silicon Valley, but they've just withdrawn the funding from Tech Nation. Tech Nation being a not-for-profit accelerator that was largely government funded, but that's not the real story the real story is the kicker they've taken the funding and given it to barclays a fully commercial for-profit organization so they've taken it away from a not-for-profit and they've given it to a single for-profit commercial organization as barclays a bunch of bankers i mean yeah i just i i can't i can't compute their statements and then their actions they just don't add up uh, it's it's a terrible loss to see tech nation having to close its doors they 
it spawns some good work, some good stuff. They sponsored the tech visas. Um, so we're trying to build a Silicon Valley, world's next Silicon Valley, but now people can't easily get the visas anymore. The tech nation uh, was how people got their visas, their work visas for, for technical skills and things like this. Uh, yeah, um, Chris, what's your views on this? I mean, I'm really disappointed at this whole move. Well, I agree with everything you said, except for one thing, which is the collective noun for bankers is a wench. So we've got to get that right to start with. But then secondly, I blogged this week about Extinction Rebellion, and I've been supporting them a little bit through the last year because I think you know, funding fossil fuels is not a great thing to do, particularly new fossil fuel projects. And the number one miscreant in that area is Barclays Bank, who um, Extinction Rebellion say are criminals because they're funding a lot of new fossil fuel projects as the number one leading provider across Europe of lending to those markets. Interestingly, HSBC has stopped funding new fossil fuel projects. And they wrote a letter to Nigel Higgins, the chair of Barclays Bank, saying, you know, can you give us your feedback on the fact that the seven people who were charged with breaking your bank's windows in Canary Wharf were discharged by the judge this week as not having a problem? They got their sentences suspended for two years um, on the basis that they're not law breakers, they're lawmakers. And it's a very interesting comment around activist consumers changing the way we think about things by changing the law through their activist movements. And to give Barclays you know, this um, funding and uh, take it away from Tech Nation is another example of, there's obviously an old boys club between you know, the government ministers and the, the banking community that's uh, supporting each other behind the scenes. Yes, Andrews, first of all, you are correct. But Chris, everything you've said, I think is correct as well. I, full transparency, I am um, ex eight years in Barclays um, back in the day, um, both in operations and the CIO office. And I was there where, where they launched kind of Barclays Rises as well. I think what Barclays have done overall in like the digital ecosystem and fintechs is a good thing overall in the, in the old street shortage area. But giving a government funding to a bank that, you know, makes billions of pounds profit and is a for-profit business is not a good thing. Um, I think Tech Nation, you know, is an amazing entity and they should be supported. And when I saw the news, I was quite surprised and shocked as well. It was on the cards though, like this came out in queue last year, three, four months ago, you know, and there was news articles about it, but then it kind of went quiet. Um, it's a shame where it's got to. I'm hoping Tech Nation pivots their, their business model and the name and, and the resources still stay. And I think these news, these articles on it have like made everyone a little bit surprised and shocked. And I think the people in the behind the scenes are, are trying to work and, and find ways for this to pivot out of it. But yeah, um, you're both correct on that one. But Andrew, you actually answered the question. Um, shall, shall I give scores though on that one? Um, Andrew, you were two plus two plus five, nine. Chris, five plus two plus five. Um, because you were correct on many things. So you got you got 12. So you're racing ahead at the moment. I'll keep quiet. Rick. I, I am the wise guy. Yeah. I guess we can now also say that it's scientifically proven that you are better <laughs> in this game than Andrew. <laughs> All right. My next question. Or did you have points for me? Yeah, um, I gave you one. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right. I have two more questions. Um, next up, an Oxford degree is almost automatically a guarantee for future success. Yet for the Dutch Wido Wiersma, that success came from a rather surprising angle and it was also very short term. What happened? He's opened a bank for tulip bulbs. <laughs> uh, you've been you've been chatting to Dave Birch, haven't you? He's always on about the blooming tulip bulb thing and uh, carrying on all about. Dave Birch knows all of the history, you know, from the wooden tack sticks to, right through to you know, Attila the Hun. You know, the Yapstones, the Yapstones story. Yeah. That's his favourite one. The Yapstones. It's <laughs> always because he's always yapping. I mean, maybe being an it's also in the museum of a central bank in Belgium. Yeah, no, I know it's a thing, but but you know, Dave yapping, yeah. definitely. But maybe being an Oxford student who's Dutch, he, maybe he's opened a bank for dikes. Ooh, a bank the for Dutch just stick the finger in the dike. Come a on, dike. Minus five yeah, to stop the water coming through. Minus fifty for that one. I I reckon I reckon uh, he must be the guy. Because uh, you said that um, his uh, it, it 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 was a surprising angle, so I think he's the guy who came up with this idea of chatty checkouts for the Dutch supermarket chain Jumbo, um, and uh, which is a real thing, by the way. Chatty checkouts is yeah. is for people who actually want to talk in the queue. But I think his success must have been short lived because. Who the hell wants to stand in a supermarket queue and chat? I reckon that after people... Old people like it, you, Andrew. Yeah, I think after they tried it once or twice, they thought, ah, that's why we've got fast checkouts. Yeah, let's let's rather... I reckon the, the idea's probably just fallen on its... You know, because that's the thing with these academics. They come up with something that sounds good until they implement it, and it's like... Well, huh? on a serious note, it was actually a pretty good idea, but we can discuss that later. <laughs> Well, a, a true story that um, many years ago, I was working at NCR, and we were looking at building multimedia ATMs, and then realized that was ridiculous, because the last thing people want at an ATM is someone standing in front of them, chatting or doing stuff that takes longer than three seconds. You just want a transaction that's swiftly done um, to get cash at that time. But it was looking at how to diversify away from cash. But going back to the question, I, I, you know, I, if it's not for... Um, for, for cannabis or bicycles because I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the things I can think of that relate to the Netherlands. Well, I, th I, th I was rather thinking about things that relate to students and, and I know that I run a whole number of websites and they constantly being hacked by bots and, and usually when I do a trace route back again, it's coming from blimming uh, universities because student uh, hackers um, like to practice by just trying to break other people's websites. They think it's in the interest of academics. So I think that because 2022 recent report was the biggest ever year for crypto hacking with more than 3.2 billion pounds stolen worldwide crypto hacking, I reckon that this person used his degree and applied it to crypto hacking, and and he's. Am I getting closer? At least you're getting you're getting closer. I would say it is linked to crypto, 
I'm not sure if it's linked to hacking per se, um, because well, I don't want to give away the answer, but you're getting close. Chris is the the crypto king, so I'm going to let him swoop in with the answer there because he's got to be all over the story. I am all over it because um, I was actually involved in the creation of IOTA, which is a cryptocurrency for the Internet of Things, and then fell out in big time due to various arguments over uh, what they were trying to achieve. Um, but I know that this PhD student, um, Vibo Viesma, um, I think is, is, is his name, he's Dutch, and mm -hmm. created a website to trans, um, transact in IOTA cryptocurrencies, but then siphoned the whole lot off into his own account and was using other currencies from Bitcoin and Monero, uh, Bitcoin and, Monero and such like to take the money from the investors and um, basically defraud them. And I mm. think there's about 94 investors and he took about over two million pounds and was in court. And I, I've got no idea how the judge would understand the word that I've just said. Chris, you're right. Um, yeah, this uh, th this gentleman, or maybe not gentleman actually, um, abused his uh, power and skills in IT and um, technology and was basically ciphering out and uh, getting the passwords and then making payments out. He actually got four and a half years in prison by the Oxford Crown Court. Um, and the judge said, you are an expert in IT and computer sciences. The fact of the matter is that you decide to abuse your skills in order to steal. This is dishonesty at the highest level. Um, again, you know, I've studied um, at Oxford Inside Business School. I did the FinTech course. I can guarantee you they didn't teach anything like this. Um, so, yeah, I was quite surprised and shocked about this one. Um, so why, why, aren't, why aren't all politicians hauled up by judges the same way? You know, they use their skills to steal money from the public all the time, not pay taxes and all the rest. So why aren't politicians hauled up the same way? The voting is over, Andrew. The voting is over, my friend. You can't accuse politicians of being dirty. Just because politics comes from the Latin poly for many ticks, blood-sucking parasites. <laughs> Naughty. And correct. <laughs> minus five, plus five. <laughs> Balances it out. On that, okay, on that round, Chris, I'm not going to get into all the pluses and minuses, but your overall was plus nine. Sorry, Andrew was plus nine. Chris, you're a bit naughty there, and you were correct, but at the end of it, you were minus six. <laughs> Rick, you smashed it, mate. You got really? 10. 10. How? I'll tell you Did after. You um, we don't have, don't we don't have time for that. Don't don't have time for this. Um, Brian, I was just thinking, we are getting to the last question. I'm starting to understand you better and better. So you're more than welcome for new shows as well. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Last question, my friends. Something special going on at Meta's Reality Labs. Can you guess what it is? Who uses Facebook? My, yeah. my, my buzz is not working for some reason, but I'll, I'll jump in anyway. Is it that they've decided to create a virtual dodo? And that um, I did see news this week that there is actually a company called Colossal Biosciences. It's a gene editing company that's getting the genes from the soil of Mauritius to actually recreate a real dodo um, and bring it back from extinction. Um, They've got a valuation of $2 billion, but I can imagine, 
you know, that Mark Zuckerberg and Meta would be really keen to have the virtual dodo world to go with the real dodo world that's been recreated from gene editing. If I oh. had the technology, I would go for a cyber tiger. But but, but when are I, I'll go for gonna... Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, when are people going to learn, you know, Jurassic Park and Hollywood is not an instruction manual for the future. Good grief. Stop building these things. Well, I, 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 just, just on a serious note, just to finish that one about colossal biosensors, they are actually creating the dodo and a mammoth. Jeez. Oh. Actually, Wazim, it's nothing new. We have two dinosaurs in this room. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hilarious. Hilarious. Minus <laughs> Um, by the quiz masters there no i think look if it's big news and it's to do with metaverse then it's got to be that the avatars are finally getting legs because if anybody if any of you have <laughs> ever seen any clips of zuck's metaverse the out of the avatars yeah exactly they only exist as bodies and arms there are no legs so so if it's big news it's got to be surely legs legs is he giving people legs at last well you have to ask does the metaverse have legs well, now there's a good question. Does it have legs? Is it getting anywhere? I, I think you know. Just just to to mix in our our um our favourite non-sponsor at the moment. I reckon Zuck is going to use Elon's Neuralink thing to transfer himself directly into the metaverse and just you know incinerate his real life body just so that he can finally prove a single use case for the metaverse in the future he's going to put himself in there and then live forever but well, well, you're very close because like, i think it's to do with the fact that mark zuckerberg has a doppelganger who's actually going to work in the labs if you guys are close you're hovering you're hovering so, who's, so who's, the shocking thing is that meta that that meta reality the the labs is losing facebook a billion dollars a month and they projecting that those losses will continue at at least that level for the rest of 2023 what correct and also mad chris what are they doing with it is the question because like you don't see the results and i kind Building of feel legs. yeah but they kind of lost their way in that um obviously there's far too much money swashing around in their treasury to invest in stuff that doesn't make sense a billion dollars a month lost in developing the metaverse which as you said andrew doesn't really exist doesn't have legs um and equally you know, it reminds me going way back to the 2000s when Second Life became a huge big thing and Second Life disappeared because it didn't have governance, it didn't have structure. And my question is the governance and structure and regulatory requirements that you need in the metaverse will never be met by meta. Yeah, I just wouldn't invest in it. I just wouldn't invest in it. Just to slip in one minor thing, I have actually seen one very exciting banking, finance and fintech services related company building in Web3 and Metaverse. It's called LifeTies. And I've invited their CEO to come onto a banking scene after work. And I'm just waiting for her response and we can let people know. I think it's going to be a fascinating session, really having real world impact from things that you do 
in their metaverse. Um, so look up life ties and come and hear about them on the banking scene after work. Coming so interested. Do I have to wear a tie? Anyway, I can't, I, I can't remember who actually gave the correct answer or not. Uh, whether it was Andrew or Chris, um, I think you both kind of got it right. Just sort of from my perspective here, one billion is a crazy burn rate per month. Um, you know, I run transformation, I run projects, programs. Clear thing is you need to have clear business outcomes. There needs to be a strategy. You need to have some use cases. There needs to, and for me, one billion. It seems to me that the consultants coming in are just charging an arm and a leg, and and they and I think they're just printing and losing money. The wrong so consultants because a good consulting firm would advise to sponsor fintech and cut. <laughs> Well, With only a fraction week. of that billion a month. They might be coming uh, next week after my performance, but we'll see. But anyway, <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't name the bank, Mazim, but I, I, I think you'll be familiar with this story I'm just about to give you, which is one bank I work with laid off like 500 staff in technology. And then within a month had hired um, a whole bunch of consultants to come in that cost them 10 times as much. And just kind of go... Some people just don't understand or think about these things. Mm. Happens all the time. Honestly, I've seen it so many times, especially in program management and large transformations. You try to, it's, it's all to do with the budget cycle. You're trying to show a positive ROI and you realize you can't actually deliver it because you don't have the resources and then you cut back in. It's mad. Mm. It's always swings and roundabouts. But yes, on that one, on that, on that answer, um, Andrew, you had 16. Chris, you pipped at the end with 20. Uh, Rick, you did a good showing again. 16. All right. I do, I do have all the final scores on the doors if you want. Shall I yes, go please. for it? In third place, because he didn't actually do much in the first three questions or four, is Rick at 30 points. But well done. You're, you're third, but you're also last. So just th think about but that. I'm the host. <laughs> Andrew, second. At 44 points, Chris wins at 46 points because at the right last few seconds, I decided to give you a plus five. Either I think you were correct on something else you said and I learned something. So really close, guys. And I'm going to be sending the spreadsheet to you all later on to scrutinize and just audit, if you don't mind, for me. So you can just check. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Total transparency. All good. Thank you all. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you, Wazim, for joining us and for being so transparent in your scoring. I cannot wait for more international news coming up very soon. If you like our show, make sure you register on our website for the newsletter to be the first to know about new episodes. Make sure that you like our shows in your favorite podcast channel. Um, if you're a really big fan, have a look at the merchandise that we have on our website. We start to see more and more, more and more posts on Twitter and LinkedIn with people buying shirts, buying mugs, uh, etc. Of fintech and cut, really lovely. We truly appreciate it. And um, as a last message, don't forget to subscribe on whatever channel you're on. This was the tenth episode of fintech and cut. We hope to entertain you, your colleagues, your friends, your connections, and followers, your cats and dogs, and many more very soon again. Bye-bye.